Hello and welcome to the Red Rooster Golf Podcast. Alongside company founder Carrie Moher, I am Brad Fritch, former PGA Tour player, current Corn Ferry Tour member, and Red Rooster founding partner. Red Rooster Golf, join us in waking up your golf glove game, an oft-neglected part of your equipment and yet ever-present on each and every shot you hit. Learn to manage your glove, make sure it's there to help you, and change it when it's not. Red Rooster Golf, wake up, shake up, step up, and give. Carrie, it's great to see you again. I am really excited about the guest that we have coming up. If I said the name Ryan French, a lot of golf fans probably wouldn't know who I'm talking about. But if yeah, I said true. but if I said Monday Q info, they would say, Oh yeah, 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 that guy. A substantial Twitter following, a career made out of tweeting about Monday qualifiers and the heartbreaking and career making stories that Monday qualifiers provide. Um, I consider Ryan a friend and I really loved our interview with him. Yeah, me too. I mean, I guess golf is just about stories and some of the best stories start on Mondays. So he had, he had some, uh, some that I had heard and some that I didn't realize, you know, just how precarious these Mondays are. Right. And, and then how they can, you know, catapult a career, you know, a shot here and there. Uh, it's just huge. Absolutely. So coming up, Ryan's career ascension in golf while bartending, the Monday he keeps coming back to. And then after the interview with Ryan, we'll answer some of the questions you submitted. How are you, my friend? Good. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Welcome. It is a a pleasure. You you are a fast riser in the world of professional golf. And I love talking to you. I don't, I think we've only met a couple of times in person, but we, Mm -hmm. we certainly text and direct message and all that stuff. I'm sure you do with a lot of different players, but you and I seem to have a, a nice E relationship going on and I enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. The best kind. Yeah. Brad is always good about, you know, there's a lot of players that don't send their negative thoughts to me. They just send like positive and Brad's like, Hey man, you're wrong on this or that or whatever. It's good. It's good. It's very good. I'd love to get a player's perspective, both from good and bad. I, I enjoy Honesty. saying, I think I do it better. I think I do it better than that. I think I say, Ryan, have you considered this perspective instead of <laughs> yes, your wrong? Enough. I mean, I've been married for a long time, so I know how to, I know how to steer the conversation a certain way. Uh, Ryan, let's get right into it, man. Uh, what's your background in golf? When did you start playing? How did you start playing? Yeah, I, I Grew up, guys, uh, on a golf course. I was born on a golf course, and I don't tell this on too many podcasts, but uh, so we were watching the Stanley Cup finals, um, and I was eight years old, six years old, six years old, I think, and uh, our TV started on fire, and uh, we never got it fixed. So my parents didn't have a TV for like 30 years. They weren't like against TV or anything. It was just like, oh, we'll get it fixed next week, you know? We'll get a new one the following week and we never got it fixed. And so like, I just grew up without a TV. And so uh, the golf course was my backyard. We lived on the city course where I grew up in Northern Michigan. And so like I was bored basically. And uh, you know, I played golf. My dad 
played golf, uh, introduced me to the game. And um, that, that was my introduction. And I played junior college golf. If there is such thing as a good junior college golf program, I did play there. And then I tried to walk on at a four-year school, Michigan State. And that was my wake-up call that there's a lot better players in the world than me. And uh, yeah, my da- I, I give a lot of credit to my dad. I did took it for granted forever. He was a CEO of a very small company. And most every day he came home like right at five or five thirty, and we would go out and start. We lived on the third hole. We'd start on four and finish on three, you know, and uh, no one was playing. It was dusk. And so we'd play in an hour and, you know, five minutes, hour. And uh, I mean, I played thousands of rounds of golf with my dad. So yeah, it, uh, I love the game. I've been around it my whole life. That's why you hate slow play because you play rounds of golf in an hour and five minutes. I see. I see. Yeah, exactly. So in junior college, were you breaking par? I mean, I did at times, but my bad was not good enough. Uh, Brad, you know, my bads were not like 75, 76. They were like 81, 82. You know, there was a, there was a game in there. It just wasn't very consistent. So, uh, yeah, I, again, I grew up in a very, very small town. This town is called Alpena. It's a tiny little town, isolated from everything. And I didn't play like big junior tournaments. Like I played the big eye and those kind of things, but I didn't play like AGGA. I don't even know if it was around at that time. And, uh, you know, I was like a big fish in a very, very small pond. And then went to junior college and I was like kind of like the best player. And then I was like, oh, I can play for Michigan State. I'll just go there. And I could not play there. Where was the junior college? It was in Lansing, uh, Lansing Community College. Um, uh, very, yeah, we finished like ninth in the nation. It was, uh, there's a book coming out that Michael Bamberger wrote partly about me, which is insane in itself. But uh, Lansing Community College had a quite a reputation for partying. So had we not fin- came to the third round, I turned 21. My uh, sophomore year uh, in college. I graduated when I was 19 from high school. And uh, we all went and partied between the third and fourth round and got home at 3 a.m. to the hotel and had to play at 7 a.m. the next day. I shot 94, I believe. Wow. I played barefoot for the large part of the last round. And it was so bad. I was puking in the weeds. And it was so bad that we played with a school who end, ended up winning the national title. And the parents of the kid that I played with called the school to complain about me. Wow. And our coach could not care less. He was out partying with us. It wasn't like we were doing this secretly. You know, it was very much like it was, uh, yeah, we, we were like, you know, we shot like 290, 300, 301. My scores were in the newspaper. It was like, 74, 76, 92, 71. <laughs> wow. Wow, that is amazing. That is a great story. Tell us about the walk-on. What what was that experience like? Um, like, was it a series of tournaments? And I'm just curious to hear, like, like how out of your element you were. Yeah, they had a qualifying <laughs> tournament. And uh, the first, uh, Michigan State has two courses. There's uh, one East courses is relatively easy. It's easy. And then the West courses is difficult. And I played the East course and shot like, I don't remember, like 75, 76, but I didn't play terrible. And everybody else was like, 
and I played terrible, you know, shot 72 or 73. I was like, oh, maybe this isn't for me, you know? And then I went to the West. I did not play well. Again, like my bed was just like 80, you know? And, uh, and I was like, but I didn't play. I, you know, I don't know what I shot 78 or something. And I, you know, I was like 15th and they were like, this is like the invite, you know, relatively invited. You had to ha- meet some sort of, they didn't just like let anyone, it wasn't an open thing. I was like, <laughs> you know, 15th or 20th. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. I didn't play too bad. So maybe this isn't for me, you know? So Ryan, after college, what did you do for work initially? Yeah. So I was in the restaurant business, uh, my whole life. Um, I ran a group of restaurants in the Detroit area. I've always been a golf nerd guy. So like back to the no, no TV part of it is I'm sure you guys remember like all the golf scores used to come in on the newspaper on Monday morning. And I remember like looking at nationwide or whatever it was called Ben Hogan or whatever tour. And then golf week, my dad used to get golf week and they used to have all the mini tours in there. And I remember looking and saying like, Oh, you know, I remember so-and-so. Eric Booker or whatever, he played on tour for a year. Now he's playing the, you know, the Grey Goose tour or the JC, you know, the Golden Bear tour or whatever. So I was just always a golf nerd. And then uh, I stayed in, I mean, like I knew, you know, from my experience in college that there was a lot of good golfers out there, but I didn't know. And I knew that many tours existed and those kind of things, but I didn't know like the world of many tour life. And then fast forward, a few years, my dad and I used to go on a caddy trip a year. And that's kind of uh, my initiation into this world that I cover now. And uh, as Brad knows, way better than I, it was the Canadian tour, a very, very good mini tour back in the day prior to that was the first year we went is a, is, is the Canadian tour in near Toronto. Do you remember what course or, or what town it was in? It was just outside. So it turned into the Jane Rogers bread, uh, Cause I caddied for Ryan Yip when he won the Jane Rogers. Okay. Uh, and it, that was not our first year, but when he won, if I remember correctly, uh, it was a new course and it wasn't called the Jane Rogers the prior year. So gotcha. Um, like Wes Heffernan was out there and, oh yeah, you know, Graham was out there dominating and those kind of guys. So, I mean, and, and I always, I used to tell the story is my dad and I used to camp and that was our tradition. So we'd go and trek camp and it was a public uh, campground. And I went into the public restroom like the morning of, of the like, first day. And there was a player in there and I was like, what the hell is he doing here? Like, here is the like, introduction to how you became fully immersed in it. A yeah. Player who's, I was who's like, camping. yep. Yeah. I was just like, I never really thought like, of the of the outside life like i knew that the players playing on that tour or a lot of them were very very good and could play or would go on to play on the pga tour but i didn't ever really think of the outside life and how it made it work and i was like what the hell are you doing here you know and he was like yeah i just pull my camper around and and play and i would give anything to remember what the guy's name was because i don't and uh and it was like oh shit this is this is uh the outside life became just as interesting as, you know, the, the talent that was out there. Right. And, and those stories have been out there for a long time. It's cool that you kind of got a firsthand look. I remember rooming with 
three different guys, you know, as soon as we get in the hotel room, we put all the chairs up on top of any furniture so that they're not on the floor so that we have more room to sleep on the, you know, a couple guys get the floor, a couple guys get beds, just stuff like that. And, and you see it over and over. We, I remember one guy in Virginia, we played a Canadian tour event at the uh, university of Virginia golf course. And he slept in his van in the parking lot of the event. And yeah. nobody thought, anything of it they're like oh is it comfortable guy said yeah it is okay you know just move on like the things that players at that level have to do to kind of scrape by to continue playing and get their shot is uh yeah the list is the list is long so yeah when did when did you start when did you start your monday q account a case of the golf one which is quite possibly the least informative Yes. Twitter handle for how big the Twitter handle is. I don't yes. know if that makes sense, but yes, um, a case it's of the, the golf worst one handle. Is- it's the worst handle in golf. It's not close. It might be the worst handle in Twitter for anyone that like has made this a thing because it makes no sense whatsoever. But I'll explain the story. Um, it's intriguing. Son, I was in. I was in. The, I was in the. Uh, I was in the restaurant business, and uh, married and two kids and our. Our then almost two-year-old uh, Jackson uh, was vomiting every day of his life, most every day, but he wasn't sick. We couldn't figure out what was wrong with him. Went to a million doctors. Finally, they were like, "I don't, we don't know. He must have a brain tumor. Went to have an MRI. He has uh, what's called Chiari malformation. It's a brain disorder. And he had brain surgery. And so um, my wife was the nurse, held our, uh, our health care at the time. So I was like, well, I'm just going to take FMLA. I don't know if that, is that a thing in Canada? And well, in the U S FMLA, you can, if you have something, you can leave your job and they have to hold it basically. Yeah. Uh, And so um, I took FMLA with every intention of going back and, but I was taking care of a four-year-old and a, and a pretty sick two-year-old. And so I was like, I'm just going to have something adult to do. And, continued to be a golf nerd all these years reading and following many tours after those caddy trips i was more involved in it i like i won with ryan caddying and then uh, he invited me out to q school to caddy so i'd had like a lot of experiences so and i'd really kind of learned you know the outside life and so i had a four-year-old and a two-year-old and i was like i need something for me to do like i'm gonna go insane watching you know cartoons all day and I'd worked basically my whole life. And I was like, Oh, you know, I need to, I need to figure out something to do wearing sweatpants and a sweatshirt every day. Get like, Whoa, where's my life right now? And so I started it and literally had no intention of ever being on a, uh, a podcast like this, like not zero. Now I'm, I'm saying less than zero ever <laughs> thinking this would be a thing and the handle. So my idea was a case of the Mondays. Okay. And uh, put that in. And I knew nothing about social media. And the case of the Mondays is too long. You can put whatever you want in your name part of it, but you can't, your handle itself has a character limit. And I was like, oh. And then I tried a case of the golf and that was taken somehow. And uh, and then Twitter suggested a case of the golf one. And I was like, well, you know, 30 people are going to follow this. It doesn't matter. Like it's meaningless. Click yes. Boom. And I don't know. Here I am somehow. I looked it up before we recorded this. 124,200 followers. Wow. Which I, I think I remember when you had 
10K, 15K, 20K. And the organic growth has been amazing. I don't, I don't know if you've kept track of it. I I remember when you reached a hundred K, you were kind of overwhelmed. I remember that maybe a year ago, something like that. Um, But yeah, the organic growth and just people who flock to, to hear the stories and, and to get your inside look at, at every Monday qualifier, like you're the guy that everyone calls texts and messages about, Hey, did you hear this happened in the, on the seventh hole? And he was going to walk off and now he qualified. Like how many of those stories have you had? I mean, so many back to the number of followers I have. I remember calling my wife uh, on the way home when I got 1000 and 1000 might, might, might as well have been 1 million. Like I was like, I mean, again, just zero, zero expectations when I started this less than zero. And uh, I was like, Holy honey, I have a, a follower. And she's like, Oh, it's great. You know? Like what? What is this? And then, I mean, she supported me for three years while I tried to figure out how to, like, turn this into a business. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think, Brett, on a much more serious uh, answer to that is, I hope that I've gained the trust of players enough that I'll handle stories, whether it's controversial or funny or, you know, tough or whatever, uh, that I've. I've earned the trust of players, caddies, mothers, sisters, or I get stories from a large, you know, myriad of, of people. Is that I hope that I've handled it correctly at some as I've gained, like as I've gone and written more stories and those kind of things. I've written negative stories, I've written about the cheating incident and those kind of things, and those are more difficult. But at the end of the day, I, I, yeah, I mean, I get I get stories <laughs> endlessly. I mean, there's a lot of stories that people are like, oh, this is crazy. And then it's not that crazy. But um, yeah, I, I hope I've gained the, the trust of players and caddies and those kind of things that I'll handle it correctly. Ryan, like I, I've been following you for a while. Obviously, like Monday qualifiers have always been um, interesting to me. But I guess like there was no context. Right? It was always just like, here are the scores. And then like you, you're providing like all this backstory and you start to realize like just that idea of someone popping out of a, uh, you know, the backseat of, of a Cadillac and stepping to the front. I mean, there, there's all these, you know, different stories, but like how long have you been truly kind of like, you know, covering it, you know, in depth and, and over that period, like how much has it changed? the the Monday qualifiers because like are there fewer of those <clears throat> types of stories now like it's Monday qualifiers are really like going through a big sort of um, shift yeah um, I mean like keeping stats and those kind of things like after the account started so basically five years um, okay like keeping stats but I kind of did what a lot of fans do is I used to well what they do now. So I used to look at Monday qualifiers, but I didn't really think of like, I mean, I knew some of the stories and those kind of things, but I didn't really, really look in depth. I would always go like, oh, you know, Steve Allen, he won on the European tour and he just Monday qualified, you know, um, and those kind of things. But I didn't really think of stories and, you know, how they got there and those kind of things. So five years has been kind of the more, 
like what the scores and those uh, uh, things uh, changed. I, I mean, Brad might have a, a better idea. I think there there seems to be the scoring, the scores themselves haven't changed. Now, it seems to be a little bit of shift. It's kind of shifting back now as the popularity of golf has gone, but courses seem to be a little bit better. So the scores haven't changed that much, even though the players have. I, I would... I would say I went back and looked at the field of a couple one five year old uh, Monday qualifiers. I think the field is a little bit deeper, and and I'll say and, and Brad can confirm or or not is I would say that Corn Ferry Mondays are probably harder than PGA Tour Mondays. PGA Tour Mondays have a lot of veterans who are on the backside of their career. It's a limited field. Uh, Corn Ferry Mondays often played on worse courses. That brings the field together. Uh, and most everyone that signs up for a corn ferry is on the upswing. There's definitely players who sign up that have no chance, but uh, you know they're mostly 24 to 26 year olds. There's not many people who are on the backside of their career playing uh, corn ferry uh, Mondays, and so uh, I think I think the talent from top to bottom is is probably better at Mondays. Um, I mean, Ryan Gerard. stories like Ryan Gerard last week, uh, and listen, he had a decorated career. It's not like he came out of the blue. I mean, he played in North Carolina, so he's a good college player, but those are the ones that keep guys going or going to Mondays in general. They're like, I said it after Ryan uh, finished fourth at the Hondas, like what I've always respected about a lot of players that are at Mondays or in mini tours is they believe they belong on the PGA Tour, and there's plenty of players who they have no chance to be there, but they still believe it. And so Ryan or Doc Redman or whatever, Corey Connors, that just draws people to Monday qualifiers. Yeah, I think you're definitely right about Corn Ferry versus PGA Tour. It's kind of ironic that the harder qualifier is the Corn Ferry Tour because there's no limit on who can enter. So usually it's two two golf courses, you know, split the number of qualifiers on each course, half and half. Um, PGA Tour, like you said, limited field. Uh, if you want to go as a non-member of any of the tours, you have to pre-qualify, which makes it a longer week, more expensive. So guys mostly choose to do the Corn Ferry qualifier. So that makes them it, – it, you're right. It is it is harder. It's funny how the scores at Corn Ferry qualifiers are usually better. Um, I don't know why that is, but for a while there, I I said to myself, like, hey, let's go do some tour mon- big tour Mondays instead because – the, if you want to use the phrase, the juice is worth the squeeze, right? Like if you do something like Ryan Gerard did last week at the Honda Classic, all of a sudden he's set up for almost special temporary membership. He's almost got his card for next year. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, yeah, the the upside is so much, so much higher. Yeah, uh, I I use a line from Mark Bal- Mark Baldwin, is a friend of Kenny for a few times in. He was losing his corn fairy card, and there was three weeks left in the season, and it was the super season. So it was like he was so far down the points that he would have had to go like top five, top five, top five, basically, or win to keep his card. And so he's like, "Well, I'm just going to go to the tour Mondays before the corn fairy events." And his line that I use all the time that he said is like, "I got to win somewhere. Uh, might as well be on the PGA Tour for more money than it is on the corn fairy tour." And you know, a third at the BJ tour is going to get him close to special or temporary membership. Whereas a third on the corn Ferry tour at that time 
wasn't going to really do him anything. So right. get you uh, next week. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's always interesting how guys uh, approach that. Some do it the PGA tour way. Some do it the corn ferry. It's uh, it's always kind of, it just depends on your situation. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to go back to the beginning of your writing career, which I guess, what is it about three or four years old? Is that about right? Yeah, I started the PGA Tour, yeah, uh, probably three years ago, three and a half okay. years ago. Who'd, who'd you lean on at first for your writing? Like just for experience and how to approach people and how to, I don't want to say keep secrets, but how to, you know, keep sources confidential, yeah. but make them seem, you know, reliable and stuff like that. Who'd you lean on at first? Yeah. Um, I mean, a huge, huge thank you to, to Sean Martin. So uh, to kind of go back to the history of, of the account is I tried to figure out how to make it uh into a business or a living and i was i was bartending on the sides and i was going to give up and my wife was like no you got to keep going and i called a few people and was like it's you know i i need to this is ridiculous my wife was working as a nurse in a in the middle of a pandemic and i was tweeting about golf not making any money and i was like okay this is enough so i called a few people that had helped me, Andy Johnson, who had me on a podcast. And I was like, guys, it's just, you know, I can't make this work. And I had the expectation up to then was I on top of everything. So I couldn't really do it part-time because it was full-time. And that was part of what drew people there is like, I was on top of of these things. So I was just going to give it up. I was like, oh, it was a ton of fun and fill the need and whatever. And I, I'd called Sean who was very helpful prior and i was like hey man I, you know i'm done he's like just hold on and he got me a job at the pga tour and it wasn't for much money at all but it was like oh okay you know maybe i can do this thing and so definitely sean a huge i mean it would i wouldn't be in this position if it wasn't for sean i've thanked him so many times that he's you know said okay i get it please stop thanking me <laughs> and um <laughs> like uh in in the tour guys is very much they don't want uh, a negative look at pro golf at all and so it was that was very eye-opening that part of uh, learning about writing was very eye-opening that there is this like big brother overlooking at you and i use this story all the time is uh jake shulman went to duke all-american uh monday qualified i think for the Wyndham, and i used to do little like blurbs about the four players for the tour and then i would uh transcribe an interview and I got Jake on the phone and I was like, Hey Jake, you know, you're an all American, but you've struggled. And all of a sudden you've won a mini tour event and, uh, you know, won a state open and you Monday qualified what happened. And he just went on this like long five minute thing. He's like, pro golf isn't all I th- cracked up to be. I'm missing, uh, my girlfriend's, uh, you know, birthday and I miss my mom's uh, retirement and all my friends are moving on. And, and, and he's like, quite frankly, I'm thinking about quitting and I'm playing better because I don't care basically. And I was like, Oh my God, this is so great. Perfect answer. And I wrote it up and the tour took a lot of it out. And I was like, Oh, what? And I call, I remember calling my editor, Mike McAllister's ironically at live now. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, I was like, uh, Hey man, I, you know, there's something wrong with the, you, you know, you missed it. Did I write something wrong or did, you know, did I miss a paragraph? And he's like, Oh, you know, we don't, we don't write about, the negative part of it. I was like, Ooh, uh, yeah. But then once I got it fire pit, I mean, Alan, Michael Bamberger has been unreal. Uh, Michael calls me after every article and 
obviously have no journalistic background, so I appreciate it more than anything. The man's written like 20 books and he's just like, Hey, this is what I would do differently. This is good. This is not good. And so, uh, I lean on Alan and, and, uh, Michael a lot, or I did, I do, (laughs) I do, I did whatever. Yeah. I was going to kind of follow up with that. So recently you, um, you left fire pit and, so are you, I'm not going to say twisting in the wind because that's mean. What's next for Ryan French, Monday q and I'm, hey, I'm twisting in the wind, Brad. <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> hey, I know that uh, feeling very, very well. We get, <laughs> I understand. Um, uh, this will be edited, Ryan. There'll be nothing negative. Yeah, yeah perfect. <laughs> perfect. I would love that. I would love that. Um, yeah, I honestly, I don't know, Brad. I, I hope that I've, uh, I really haven't, uh, I, I've tried my best to concentrate on making fire pit work. Um, up until now, I've really tried to not reach out to anybody. Um, and uh, I'm going to kind of take some time. My son actually, uh, who's had a very healthy life up till now, is having some issues. And he has a brain MRI coming up Monday. Uh, so uh, I'm going to take some time with my family and then... I would hope that I have some opportunities. I think I've done enough to have some opportunities, but I don't know that. And if, I mean, I don't think it's going to end, but if it did end tomorrow, like it would be like, I say it all the time, guys, is uh, if I made a list of the craziest things that have happened, like I thought would happen, none of the things that have actually happened would be on there. It's like insane. It's It's been and I don't I mean I don't want to get too deep on this podcast. This seems like I don't want to get too deep, but like I I I'm home with my kids most every day. I'm in my basement recording this. Uh I get to see my kids every day, drive them, make my own schedule. Uh in in the restaurant business, I never got to do that. And but I always say is like I didn't miss my kids because I knew I didn't I didn't it was just life, right? And so um yeah, it's given me a lot. It's made me happy. I was happy when I wasn't making money and uh you know, my wife and I were happier together. Uh you know, it's it's been so awesome for my family and for me. Uh it's made me personally happy and if it ended tomorrow, I would be totally okay with it. It's been awesome. Now, that being said, if you're listening to this and you'd like to offer me a job, <laughs> my DMs are open. <laughs> 100% man. I've I've en- enjoyed kind of not working with you, but just talking with you. You're a very trustworthy guy. You genuinely love golf and the stories it brings. Not only the the big guy, like I think you can appreciate the best player in the world doing what he does, but also yes. the guy who kind of stands up to the best player in the world in a big spot, like a, like a Nick Taylor at Phoenix mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. even more to an extent, Ryan Gerard, mm-hmm. you know, battling down a stretch with no status and making 400 and some thousand dollars off a Monday qualifier, like it golf professional golf provides so many great stories. There's room for all kinds of different ways of telling them. And so, you know, whatever, whatever reach this podcast has and whatever reach that I can help, uh, whatever I can do to help you kind of continue your career, you. you know, you know, I'm, I'm all for it. Um, what's your favorite Monday qualifying story? I mean, for the Canadian crowd, I, we talk a lot about the Corey Connors thing, but I don't know if it's my favorite, but just I think it's a very much not uh, not enough 
talked about part of Corey Connors is the Chase Hanna part of the Monday qualifier. So for those that don't know, uh, Corey was at the Valero uh, when he qualified one, obviously. And, but it was a three stroke difference, which as Brad will attest is never happened. It was like first, second, third, and then fourth was, I think six under was, was third place. And then fourth, there was like four players tied at three under and Chase Hanna was one of those players. I get a message from someone that played with them. And it was like, Ryan, you won't believe this. Uh, he had like a tap in. He described it as a tap in like a foot, two foot. And he left the flag in and it pinched the ball out. He hit it in the, in the, you know, he hit it a little hard and it pinched the ball out, took the flag out, tapped in for birdie. That would have knocked Corey out. And then he won a six for one playoff. Uh, rare in the first hole, a relatively easy hole. And all the players missed the, missed the green and Corey knocked it to like six feet and made the putt. So it's like, obviously Corey's super talented. So things would have happened. But as I say, often Lara fast forwarded tenfold. And so, but all those scenarios leading up to it are just so crazy. Like what if Chase Hanna makes it? What if one other guy knocks it close on the first playoff hole and Corey loses on the second? Like where would Corey's career be now? Obviously again, super talented. He would have made it, but it, the Valero helped. I mean, he was at the Masters the next week, so hundred uh, percent. No, I mean th- those kind of things just just vault you. Like it just accelerates the timeline, right? Like yeah. Corey would have made it on the PGA Tour. I have no doubt. But winning provides a whole different set of benefits than even finishing second. So Mondaying and winning just accelerated his his timeline, and yep. you know now he's Presidents Cup and you know a factor in majors now and everything like that. It's uh pretty cool any disastrous stories that stick out like any just i can't believe that happened i mean you could say chase hannah um on the other side of it but he would have had to win the playoff too but any any particular thing stick out on the negative i mean that's a good question uh i will like steve allen and i were talking on the um and the waste management uh range this year and it's not a disaster but it, it talks to like how good players play at Mondays and they don't get the results. So for those listening, the waste management is always a huge Monday, regardless, even before it was a designated event. And it often almost always leaks into Tuesday. And that includes like players who are close, uh, have to come back and see if they made the playoff, those kind of things. And uh, Steve Allen has come back on Tuesday five or six times and has never made it either to a playoff or into the waste management. <laughs> like he played oh good enough to, you know, like either be like on the number or whatever has to come back and watch the last few groups finish, never got into the playoff or got into the playoff and didn't get into the waste management. And it's just like, just whoa. at that event, just, just at in event. Phoenix. Oh my God. Yeah, almost six times. Wow. It was like, I mean, I don't even, there's like, I, it, as I've gotten into this and asked more, you know, tougher questions, it's like, I don't even know how to ask this, Steve. I was like, but I think I remember you telling me, he's like, yeah, I think it's five times I've had to come back on Tuesday. And the previous time that I'd been to, it's the same thing. He shot like, I don't, it doesn't matter, 67. And there was like four groups left out. And I took a picture of him. He's on the range Tuesday morning. He's already in and he's waiting for the last groups. And as Brad knows, you just sit there and refresh your phone every few minutes. And, you know, a group has come in, you see him go to the scoring area, you're trying to read body language and 
whether mom talked to them or the you know wife talked to them, you can get a, a good sense. I've been around enough money qualifiers. You can kind of get a sense of how they're walking and carrying themselves, whether they have a chance. And you just sit there and refresh your phone as they as you see the guys entering scores. And yeah, he just collected his stuff and just like made the worst walk, you know, to the parking lot. And I took a picture. I was like, five times. Can you imagine that? I was like, oh man. Uh there was a good one this week. I mean, yes, I was gonna ask you about the cha- one. Yeah. champion tour. Oh, the champions tour is a good one too. Two two this week. Uh one in the Puerto Rico one. Uh uh Jackson Suber played uh Mississippi State or Mississippi, uh, doubled the last and then bogeyed the first playoff hole. Uh, and so Doubled the last out. to get into a playoff. Yeah, doubled the last. He, oh. So uh, Tuesday, not only that, Brad, Tuesday morning, he was the only one who came back. So for those that don't know, if you don't finish and you don't have a chance, you just don't come back the next morning. He was the only person to come back and he was six under or seven under. He was already inside the number. He had to play even the last two holes and he birdied uh, no, sorry, he was at six. Uh, he had to birdie to, uh, he had to play even to get in and like getting clean. He makes birdie on the first hole and doubles the second hole to fall into the playoff and then bogeys oh the first god. playoff. Oh my god! Wow. And his his coach sent me a message and I was getting updates from people on the ground. They're like, "You have any updates?" I was like, uh, "Yeah, kind of. Not great, but the champions won too. Uh, uh, terrible." Uh, uh, Cliff, Cliff Kresge and uh, Tom Gillis were both in clean. Champions is now only three. I just found that out uh, this year. Um, is now only three spots, and there was one twosome left on the on the uh, course, and they both beat him. And beat him clean, not, right? Yeah, no beat playoff. him clean. No play. So you're, you're in all day. However yes. many groups there were, and then the last group comes in, and you're out with no. Play. I mean, you, at that point, you're thinking like worst case scenario, I'm in a playoff. You know, one yes, of these guys of these might guys. might shoot, wow. and both of them have the second and third best round of the day and knock them out. It's hard, man. It's it's a hard way to to do it. It's one day you play as well as you can. I mean, half half the guys don't play well, and a quarter of them just leave halfway through the round or through fifteen or whatever. It's a very it's a very odd. Um, it's just it's just a weird part of pro golf, but it's also fascinating. And hey, you've made a living off of it for the last five or six years, so it's pretty amazing. Uh, we've loved having you, and we're going to finish with a couple of questions that we ask all of our guests. Number sure. one: share something really memorable with our audience, like your best memory of golf. It could be something that happened in pro golf. It could be a round that you played. Just just sure. kind of something sticks out when you think of golf, the first thing that comes to mind. Yeah. Uh, my my dad just passed away, had dementia for a long time. And uh, so I've told the story a lot lately. Um, I was 17 uh, playing in the men's club championship at my home club. And... I was in a three-hole playoff to win it. And on the third hole, right behind our house, ironically, my dad and I had a like a pretty good argument uh, as far as like what club to hit on the third playoff hole. And I relented. I think, I, if I remember correctly, I relented just to shut my dad up and, and hit six instead of five or five instead of six. I can't remember. 
And I hit it to like two and a half inches and won the, won the club championship. <laughs> That's awesome. I would totally remember that. I fired yeah. my dad as a caddy in the pro event in the middle of an yeah. event once. So your your father's nice. story is uh, more successful. <laughs> a more successful story. <laughs> That's awesome. I got to have Brad on to tell them how I fired his dad's story. Return. Uh, I've got I've got a lot of dad stories and they're all funny. They're totally yeah. they're all funny. Yeah. Carrie, you're next. What's a feeling that that golf brings to you, whether that's, you know, these evening rounds at dusk or whether it's, you know, flushing a two iron or, you know, uh, stiffen a, a short wedge? What what's what is the, the feeling that you that bring keeps bringing you back to golf? I mean, I think I'll, I'll take it from a. I hate to say that I'm a journalist, but I guess I am like a journalistic feeling is like, I love writing these stories and like there, there's not a time that I don't have a conversation with Brad or conversation with another player or a caddy that I'm like, not genuinely interested in this like that. I hope that's what comes across in my account and my writing is like, and what I've done in the first part of my career with fire pit is they never said anything to write or not write or whatever. And so I've always written or done shows or done podcasts of what I thought was interesting. And so like hearing crazy stories or funny stories, like Brad just talking about his debt. I would love to hear that story about it firing. Like it has nothing to do with the people that follow me. I don't like, I've, I've obviously I know what works as content and what doesn't. But like, I'm just generally interested in that story. And I think maybe my instinct is, is worked. And so I know that other people would love that story. Right. And then it's like, oh, I bet you that's happened a million times by players. So let's have a bunch of players come on. So like, I just love to hear stories. That's uh, the feeling that, that gets me up to come down and look at mini tour scores every day. Like it's, it's not a grind at all. It's like, I'm pretty lucky to do it. I mean, on a playing perspective, I mean, anything I have the chipping yip. So a good chip is, 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 uh, is so satisfying. Maybe it's relief more than anything. It's not really satisfaction. It's like, Oh, I found the face on the, on the wedge. (laughs) Somewhere. My invitational partner at, uh, Orchard Ridge, Golf club in Fort Wayne, Indiana is nodding his head. Uh huh. I get it. Yeah. I get it. Shout out yeah. to Tyler. Um, yeah. All right. Last question. It's kind of an ode to our play it forward program. Uh, do you want to highlight anyone? Uh, it could be yourself because I know you have quite the play it forward program. Um, highlight someone or something or some program that really gives back uh, to golf that you'd like to recognize. I mean, I don't want to make this about my foundation, but I'll tell a story about a kid. I have a foundation that helps high school teams and I'll tell you about a kid. I just got off the phone with his mother. One of the first high schools that we helped is a secondary school where all the kids who are in the school have been expelled from uh, public schools. And so basically go to juvie or go here, follow some rules, meet some expectations and you can get back into it. It's basically a rehabilitation and uh, this kid, um, so they started a golf pro. His name's Eric Smith. 
I mean, shout out to him. I, I did, we did nothing outside of give him some stuff so he could start a golf program. He did it. And, uh, that was two years ago. And this young man, uh, had been kicked out of his home, taken out of his home. I mean, he was basically a criminal, uh, at 13 years was, you know, stealing and, you know, didn't have any social skills and whatever went to this. And, uh, got, he really, he wrote me and, uh, Eric, a nice email. I was like, golf kind of turned my life around. It gave me a purpose to come to school every day. And so he's back with his family for the first time in three years. And, uh, you know, he's getting good grades. And I say that all the time, as you guys know, with your awesome program is like, this has nothing to do with what you shoot. Like, we don't care what you shoot. Uh, the game taught me a lot more about life than it did about how to hit a knockdown wedge. That's awesome, man. Um, yeah, I love what you're doing there. It's uh, it's very cool, and anything that we can do to help support underprivileged, uh, underserved communities, just you know, get kids into golf and and give them a, a path forward in a game that you know is is a game for a lifetime. It it completely is. Shoot, I tried to play hockey the other day it doesn't work out very well golf i can i can still play like golf is a game you can play in in your 80s so ryan i truly appreciate you coming on with us uh i wish you all the luck in the world we will do whatever we can to to spread the word uh to know that you're looking but i know that you'll have offers coming out of your behind pretty soon because you love what you do you're you're a very genuine guy. You love golf. You love the stories. You love the players, and uh, I think that I think it shows. So uh, all the best to you, and thank you again. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, Brett. As, as I said to a lot of players, if conversations that I have with you don't happen, it isn't. And many players, you know, this isn't a thing. So I, um, I'm the messenger. So I appreciate it very much. Thanks for having me on. Thanks to Red Rooster. Uh, hold on, hold on. Look at this. This is not planted. I swear to God, this is not planted. I was looking at the, uh, uh, in my drawer as this, I was grabbing a pen to make a note and I was like, oh my God, there's my red rooster glove. So product placement, red rooster glove. Just a cape lying around. Just lying around. <laughs> yeah. Yep. You yeah. never know when you'll need that. You never yeah, know. exactly. I could, I, I mean, my clubs are over here. So if I get to work, I might, I get to like, <laughs> do an actual grip, you know? All right, Ryan. I appreciate it again. Thank Thanks you. Thanks for your time, Ryan. Appreciate Thanks, it. Love, love what you're doing. It, it, it's Thank such you. a niche part of the game and like that kind of following doesn't happen by accident. There there's obviously there's an interest there just in that unique part of the game. And, but obviously, you know, your storytelling is really strong and people are drawn to it. So change is often good. And uh, you know, there'll be a good opportunity right, right around the corner probably Thank one you. of the most meaningful conversations that Brad and I had on this topic happened on a long drive after a Monday qualifier <laughs> that um who knows where red rooster is if uh you know if Brad shoots you know 63 instead of 64 right. that day <laughs> um or 64 65 so it's it's funny you know just uh um maybe there's there's some something good coming around the corner in, in your future. Sure. And thanks for giving us this time and, and opening up. I've, I've enjoyed it. A few good laughs here. <laughs> thanks so much, man. Thanks guys.
All right. Take care, bud. Man, that was great. I think uh, Ryan's story is fascinating. I thank him for being on. I just think his uh, his story and the stories he follows are are just some of the most compelling in golf, even if they don't show up on the ratings of, you know, the, the TV and, you know, it's not all about television ratings to me. It's about human interest stories. And, and he, he, he gets some of the best ones that people wouldn't know about if he wasn't around. Yeah, for, for sure. I mean, that's what I love when he starts digging in is, um, you know, there's, there's a new story every week this past week with Brian Gerard and how he was able to get in and, you know, that's going to, you know, change his entire year. Yeah. hundred percent. God, we didn't even get into the Q school cheating story. The, the mini tour owner who fleeced a bunch of players the last uh, yeah. couple of years, that the big money, like, the big money classic, man, that could be a mini series. <laughs> yeah, totally could. All right. Let's change it up a little bit. Uh, we're going to answer some listeners questions. We, uh, we put it out there last week for anyone to submit any questions that we would answer on the podcast and any, any question that we do answer, we're going to throw the, uh, questioner a little prize pack. So you've got a couple questions lined up for me, correct? I do. All right. Fire away. Number one. Great. Let's start with the first one. It's a question from, uh, Bill McLaughlin. And uh, the question is, what is your opinion on wearing a glove for shots within 10 to 20 yards of the green? Same with bunkers. And uh, that's that's interesting. What are, what are your yeah. thoughts, Brad? What do you do once you get closer to the green glove? Yeah, wise? so me, me personally, I just keep my glove on for every shot except for when I'm putting. Um, I, I have heard the theory, like the more delicate the shot, the shorter the swing, maybe you don't need a glove. I've just never, I've never tried it. Um, so yeah, I, I I use a glove for every bunker shot and every chip, every pitch. Um, but but I've heard kind of the the theory thrown out there that yeah, you want to you know for those delicate shots, you might want to take your glove off. I, I've just never done it, never tried it. How about you? Yeah, same. That's why I, I like the question. I I do take my glove off sometimes to chip, but I'm not consistent with it. I do wear it in bunker shots. I wear it for pitches, but the, the rationale makes sense. Like for a feel shot, should you have a bit more feel um, where the grip isn't as important? Um, so yeah, some, some food for thought there. I don't, I haven't had like a consistent approach to it, but I could see how some take it off once you get within 10 to 20 yards could uh, make sense yeah. for bunker shots. Hmm, that I don't know. I don't know. I I swing bunker shots with enough speed that I wouldn't want the thought of the grip being compromised there. Um, because to spin a bunker shot, you have to have to have plenty of speed uh, in your body and in in the club head. So that that to me would be kind of a no go. I can see it on little chips, sure. Like you're you're propping up a seven iron on the toe and kind of using the putting stroke you know, just to get it going out of the rough or something. I could see it for sure. Um, I don't think there's a right answer. I just don't do it. Gotcha. Okay, here, I got another one. Uh, This is from Claude, and I'm going to butcher this last name. It's either Panaton, Panatone, or Panatone. So it's it's one of those three, but uh, great question. says, you know, in your opinion, what percentage of the game of golf is mental versus physical. Whew. 
I guess it depends on how good you are. Um, I no seriously. I, yeah. The better you are, the more it's mental. The more it's sticking to a process, and the more it's not taking on too many pins, playing to the fat side of the green, eliminating bogeys. Um, the the higher handicap you are, I would argue it's more physical than mental. So I don't know if I'm going to put a percentage on it. I just know that there are are players who are playing the PGA Tour strictly because their mental game is so strong. At the professional level, a great mental game can overcome some deficiencies in ball striking or or short game, more often ball striking, or a deficiency in distance if you're a shorter hitter. Um, because if you have the correct process, and I believe there is a correct process, there's a, a, a fundamental way of playing where you minimize mistakes and, and maximize the number of pars and birdies you make versus bogeys only because of where you aim that, that I think provides a player success who someone might look at and say, he does nothing great. How is he on the PGA Tour? Well, guess what? It's his head because he's super disciplined, super smart. Uh, he does a lot of analytics, a lot of math, and just aims in the right spots because everyone's dis- dispersion for bad shots is about the same. Obviously the better the player world-class player top 10 in the world, their dispersion is probably a little bit less than a top or hundred or 200 player. Um, but, but the discipline that a player can play with in terms of target choosing uh, goes a long way to determining whether they're going to be successful or not, stay on the PGA tour, win an event, et cetera. So um, it, it's more mental at the top and more physical as the player's handicap gets higher. Yeah. That, that makes sense to me. That, that was kind of my approach. Like at, at some point, you know, your mental game can be you know, razor sharp, but if sort of physically, technically you are deficient. You can't make up for that, right? At, at a certain point, I'm I'm thinking more, sort of on on the amateur level that there's there's just there's a lot of of discussion these days around the mental game and how you can, you know, work on that. But I think like, you know, ten plus handicaps, you know, with late razor sharp mental games, um, still have lots of of physical hurdles, but yeah, the, the further you get along, like when I was caddying in that corn fairy event and, you know, watching guys hit it on the range and warm up and how they could execute shots, there was not much separating everybody physically, mentally, strategically, how you approach things that that's kind of the, the differentiator there. So as far yep, as a percentage sure. wise, it, it's, it's hard to break that down, right? Um, it is. It's not. Not that simple, but but a great question, uh, Claude and Bill. So we'll keep them coming. We, we got, I think it was like 150 questions uh, last week. So lots of great questions. We'll we promise to respond to each and every one of them, and we'll read a couple each week. And uh, and if we read your question, you'll get a a surprise gift pack for us. So so look for that outreach and uh, and keep them coming. We're we're enjoying yep. it. Absolutely. Uh- they were really good questions. Took a long time to read through them, but there, there, there's a lot of really good questions out there, both about golf and the business of golf. Gary, how does everyone find us? 
Well, that's simple, Brad. You can find us uh, on all of our social handles at Red Rooster Golf or on the web, redroostergolf.com. And make sure to choose either the American flag or the Canadian flag at the top. That's it. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of the Red Rooster Golf Podcast. And special thanks to Ryan French, a.k.a. Monday Q Info. For my partner, Carrie Moher, I am Brad Fritch. We'll see you again soon. Until then, tee it high, let it fly, and cock-a-doodle-doo.